We're broadcasting live from uh, Bend, Oregon, and today's show is looking at um, an area that, uh, in my opinion, doesn't get enough attention in the media, uh, which is broadband uh, and how it affects and, and helps uh, tribal communities in, in the U.S. So today we want to look at this uh, particular topic in some amount of detail um, and what are some of the challenges, what are some of the success stories uh, around this. Um, today has been uh, very interesting. I've been getting a sort of a briefing, if you will, on, uh, on some of the developments here in this tri-county area of central Oregon uh, and, and some of the advances that, that they have made. Uh, the um, community received a um, a uh, broadband stimulus grant, as has one of the uh, local tribes, and so we're going to really uh, get to take a look at uh, work that they've done. And it's interesting to note that work here in this area has been going on for 10 years. So what's what the broadband grant uh, has been able to do is to help accelerate some of the progress that has been made uh, to date. Uh, joining me on the show today, I have two guests. Um, I have uh, Sal Salmi, who is the chairman of the board of directors for the Warm Springs Telecommunications Company, and Jeff Ansbach, who is the CEO of Warm Springs Telecommunications Company. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show, and thank you for being uh, our guest today. Uh, just jump right in here. We're going to start talking about, uh, one, get a historical perspective of uh, what has been developing over these past few years as far as broadband in uh, in Warm Springs? So I'll start with you, Sal. Okay, uh, thank you. Our, as you had mentioned, uh, it's been over 10 years that uh, our tribal government has been looking at broadband and broadband uh, deployment uh, on the reservation. Uh, part of how we began was a, uh, a scoping process where we identified over 25 million in uh, telecommunication infrastructure and broadband need. And uh, as we, we looked at that list, we began looking at uh, existing resources and then long term how we were going to get there. Mm -hmm. So in this uh, in this process, then with this wish list, we began looking at uh, planning grants to begin with, and then after that, uh, uh, certainly the uh, the grant that you talked about, the stimulus grant uh, from the Obama administration, uh, certainly has uh, brought us a long way in uh, in deployment of uh, broadband on the reservation. Hmm. Interesting. So, what kinds of uh, specific applications have uh, gone into place before, say, before the grant, and then what has either changed or accelerated after the grant? Well, certainly the, uh, the marketing, the idea, uh, had to uh, had to initiate the process with our decision makers, our elected officials. Once they were on board and uh, uh, with the or that being the or part of the organizational phase, we also had a technical group, a uh, technical uh, steering group uh, that was initiated, uh, which helped lead the charge again in pursuing grants and and resources to uh, to to initiate the whole process. Mm -hmm. So again, we begin with planning, and then after that, looking at uh, immediate need. And the most immediate need at that time 
was uh, with uh, our public safety uh, branch and uh, fire management. Uh, with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and, and Tribal Forestry because uh, there was uh, no interconnectedness, as it were, at that time. And a lot of the uh, equipment and uh, and uh, 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 the other resources that we had were, were very, uh, very limited, uh, antiquated, and uh, uh, certainly needed to be brought into uh, the current state of the art. Mm-hmm. Uh are there challenges uh, specific to tribal communities, let's say in the typical rural underserved area or an urban underserved area might not experience? Uh, yeah, I think just the, uh, the, the long history of not having uh, a broadband uh, in the community has been the, the biggest challenge. Uh, a good example is where uh, we had uh, uh, a hardwire coming through Central Oregon and through the reservation, uh, but the tribe never having the capability to uh, to get connected. Mm-hmm. So that was one of uh, a major challenge uh, that we looked at. And uh, uh, politically, certainly, we uh, we had to create partnerships with uh, the adjoining counties in the tri county, not only the tri county area in Central Oregon, but as well. The uh, uh, the counties along the Columbia River, because in rural uh, communities, especially in Oregon, we all share common need. Mm-hmm. So that uh, creating that uh, that partnership beyond uh, Central Oregon certainly was very helpful in in garnering uh, uh, support. Mm-hmm. Now uh, this morning uh, in my uh, presentation for. Um, uh, for business group in uh, Ben, also here in Ben, uh, one of the points I brought up is that there, there, you have to be mindful of what I refer to as a knowledge gap. That when you bring folks onto the internet that have little computing experience and maybe little or no internet experience prior to this, that you can't expect that everything will be great and all the promises of broadband will happen just because you've now brought connectivity. Sure. Does that does that point hold true? In, oh, certainly. In... Yeah, and, and workforce development has been one of the driving factors, given the uh, not only the state of our economy on on the reservation, but in Oregon and as uh, most everyone knows across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, right from the uh, the beginning, uh, part of the initiative and the direction coming from our uh, tribal council was that workforce development and tribal employment was was going to be critical. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, having uh, someone like Jeff, uh, who's a uh, non-tribal member, but a tribal member from another tribe, and who's had considerable experience, along with some consultants that we've been using for over 10 years uh, with vast uh, uh, domestic and foreign experience in uh, broadband uh, development and deployment has just been a tremendous asset. And again, with the idea of imparting uh, the, their experience and bringing them along uh, in respect to to how uh, uh, this uh, the shakedown, certainly the shakedown period that we're in now, but as well the long term. Uh, 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 development and execution of our mm-hmm. of our phone company. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeff, let's talk about your role here with the uh, the, the product because you've you've come in sort of midpoint from when Sal started, right? Because you said Sal's been here from from the beginning. 
so when did you join up and, and what challenges did you see that you've had to address? Uh, I, so I started uh, with Warm Springs and it's probably going to be seven years now in the next couple weeks or so. Mm-hmm. I think it was October 25th of 2005 when I joined the Warm Springs team and it was more on the Warm Springs Economic Development Corporation side. Uh, so Warm Springs Economic Development Corporation runs a lot of the smaller tribal enterprises, so mm-hmm. construction, IT, um, cultural resources, project engineering, property management. But we also look at other uh, um, economic development opportunities and, and then perform feasibility studies on it. We do analysis. We try and raise money to get it past the feasibility stage and into implementation. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at economic development on the reservation, uh, there's a couple things that we do. Uh, one is we look for, you know, a term called leakage. You know, mm-hmm. how much money or how much capital is leaving the reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the biggest places we were leaking was our telecommunication dollars mm-hmm. because okay. of all the money that was going out to pay for existing POTS lines, plain old telephone service, and then 30% of tribal members had access to broadband um, so those telecommunication dollars were going out, uh, but we weren't getting a lot in return for that. Mm-hmm. So part of our telecommunication initiative was to plug that leak. Okay. And that's really why we started moving in towards telecommunications was to to really plug that leak, but also take control of our own telecommunications destiny mm-hmm. because the the service providers weren't going to do it. And it right. wasn't because they weren't. It, they didn't want to. It's just it didn't make economic sense for them to right. do it. You know, the payback periods weren't quick enough. It's tough to get financing in rural areas for broadband deployment. So uh, so if we were going to get it done, we had to do it ourselves. And that's where Sal, um, you know, from over 10 years ago, the tribes were looking at it, uh, saying, how do we how do we handle this? Because without connectivity, without broadband, we didn't stand much of a chance for economic development. It's it's just basic infrastructure that needs to be there if we're going to attract industry, mm-hmm. jobs, and revenue to the reservation. Okay. Now, um, when you were starting out <clears throat> those first couple of years, did you have any kind of um, model or, or something to work from? Because, I mean, and forgive me for my ignorance of the, of the subject, but, I mean, it seems that that area is fairly isolated. And what, what, so, what did you use as far as experience? Yeah, uh, we looked at the uh, the other uh, tribes in the country and uh, their experience. And at that time, I think there were something like five or six. Uh, about ten years ago, if that maybe there were just three, three or four, I think, uh, tribal telephone companies in the nation. And one in particular was at uh, Gila River uh, in uh, south of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we went to visit, and uh, through a, uh, I got uh, appointed to an FCC uh, uh, intergovernmental advisory uh, committee, uh, and so through uh, the uh, uh, the networking, as it were, that we were able to do with the other tribes and uh, with the uh, National Congress of American Indians and the Northwest uh, uh, affiliated tribes. Uh, our Northwest Regional uh, uh, Tribal Government Organization, we were able to uh, look at the experience of other tribes, uh, 
look at our basic need, and then uh, and then begin, as I'd mentioned earlier, going after uh, uh, funding resources. So uh, a combination of all of those things, I think, really helped uh, give us a, a leg up mm-hmm. because there were experienced tribes at that time uh, who had uh, had been at uh, the business of telecommunication for for uh, quite some years. Mm-hmm. So who typically makes up um, the, the the planning team. Uh. Yeah, uh, what we did was um, we uh, create. Sal had mentioned uh, there's the Warm Springs Telecommunication Steering Group mm-hmm. uh, that really kind of kicked this whole thing off. And then from that, we created an advisory committee. So we went out into the community and recruited um, uh, rural ILEX, rural telephone companies, mm-hmm. and and uh, urban telephone companies. And we also recruited some. Uh, general managers from the tribal telcos, and mm-hmm. and Sal's certainly correct. If without the help of those other tribal telcos, it would have been a a long, a much longer and more difficult process. They were they um, we uh, we joined the National Te- uh, Tribal Telecommunications Association (NTTA), of which there's nine members. Mm-hmm. Um, eight of them are are tribal ILEX, so incumbent local exchange carriers that own the exchange on the reservation. Um, Cheyenne River Sioux being one of them, They're, they've been in business over 50 years. Mm, wow. uh, some of the other ones in the Southwest region were have been in business for nine to 15 years. So there's definitely a legacy there of mm-hmm. successful tribal telcos. So we snuggled up to them as much as we could to learn, <laughs> learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were part of our advisory committee as well. We uh, put together um, a, a pretty a really sound board. Uh, created the entity, and then we went out looking for funding. Mm-hmm. And it, it just so happened at the time we were, we got through the feasibility study, we leveraged a USDA um, RBOG, Rural Business Opportunity Grant, mm-hmm. to fund the uh, feasibility study. Then we leveraged a USDA RBEG grant, Rural Business Enterprise Grant, uh, to implement it. And then uh, we also went out got an Economic Development Administration grant of $200,000 to help with the process of starting this thing up. And then, uh, and so we put together our business plan, put together the concept, and right around that time, uh, the ARA program came out, American mm-hmm. Recovery Reinvestment Act. And and so we were going to go out for funding anyway, but it was happenstance that this was coming along right at the most opportune time. Mm-hmm. So we were able to go out, uh, win a $5.4 million 50% grant, 50% loan uh, to start the build-out and construction of the telco, mm-hmm. the Warm Springs telco. Interesting. Now, in the beginning, what would you consider the major challenges that you faced in trying to get this off the ground? I think uh, beyond the need, uh, certainly uh, uh, planning efforts from our tribe, like like a lot of local government, uh, get very good at, at planning. We didn't want to uh, do, a, you know, stumble and not have this uh, go to fruition. So bringing the uh, the elected officials, tribal council on early, getting their support, getting the grassroots support that uh, Jeff mentioned. Uh, so we we brought ownership to the problem locally. And then, and then created the strategy behind that. Mm-hmm. Without that local ownership, uh, both politically and just from a, a social a social standpoint, uh, it would have been very difficult uh, to, to move. 
because even as as we look at uh, the startup and deployment that the stage that we're currently in, uh, there's still some hurdles locally uh, with folks that uh, because of the uh, the relative newness and inexperience that uh, that our people have with uh, broadband uh, and broadband deployment, it, it's real difficult to understand the technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me to go back home after this uh, interview today <laughs> and, and speak to, hey, I had firsthand experience with uh, with how this uh, uh, applies and and can be uh, useful uh, to our community. So I, it, it's a good feeling to, mm-hmm. to be able to carry that message and, and uh, a dis, uh, display of the uh, the technology. Mm-hmm. This is a question actually I ask of a, a number of um, communities. Is there a issue with getting people, um, helping them understand what is a fairly complex technology, but having them understand it enough so that they can become supportive of it, is that particularly challenging? And then more, how do you get past whatever the challenges are there? Uh, yeah, that, that's certainly a challenge, but it's it's more of a challenge, I think, from my generation and my parents' generation, rather than the uh, mm-hmm. uh, conversely to, to the young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandchildren, as a good example, are growing up with, uh, uh, with technology all around them and mm-hmm. are very comfortable. Uh, certainly my, my children's generation are... Are uh, very astute mm-hmm. with uh, gaming and and uh, uh, the internet and, and uh, how practical and useful it is. But I think on it from a cultural standpoint, I mean our our uh, our, our folks that are in the uh, the culture and heritage uh, discipline for our tribal government just see tremendous uh, see this as a tremendous resource mm-hmm. for the uh, the antiquity of our language, our culture, our heritage. All those things and the preservation of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the thing I would add to that is Sal hit, hit it right on the, uh, the nail right on the head. Uh, it is a, pretty much a thankless job when we're talking to council and we've just made this redundant ring and we've got fiber now off the reservation and now we have a FCC licensed link for our wireless component and and so we're pretty excited about all that stuff. We go and talk to the membership, especially if there are. Um, the elders or they're on tribal council or they're, uh, you know, just in the uh, tribal government. And it's it's pretty much yawns. If we're, <laughs> if we're really excited, they're kind of like, hey, is my iPad working? Okay, good enough. You know, and, and we're, so we're pretty charged up about it. Mm-hmm. But um, the tribal member youth are very technologically savvy mm-hmm. for, for how limited the connectivity has been. And they gobble it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that case, it's not thankless when we're talking to tribal youth, but when we're talking to uh, the you know some of the the parents and the grandparents, mm-hmm. it's a little less enthusiastic. Mm, right. They <laughs> sort of understand, but then again, yeah, but not really. <laughs> but no. But then, what are their expectations? Um, and I bring this question up because one of the universal problems, and again, I kind of hinted at this uh, today in the presentation. Can we um, is that um, the expectations, right? If you don't manage people's expectations, they'll expect the world, and then when it's not delivered, they're unhappy. Or they're expecting apples and you're delivering oranges. How do you manage expectations, both for the younger folks, but then also for the 
elders who may not have understood really what this is about. I, I think uh, we have to go back to our basic values culturally mm -hmm. uh, of our people. And in saying that, uh, to be more specific, talking about what those parts of our our culture and heritage and our, our history relative to be a, a, a local sovereign nation and having the all the uh, responsibility and accountability for local government and and services that those uh, those governments provide uh, I think that's part of the, the the driving driving force and and how we uh, the, the foundation for being able to give us essentially a starting point and then guide us as we uh, we grow and, and develop. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, certainly education and not only community education, but education in a formal sense have mm -hmm. to be tied again to workforce development, deployment of the uh, of uh, of our company and the, and running the business. Mm -hmm. All have to be. Uh, to use again uh, the term interconnected mm -hmm. uh, as we we move uh, together, but uh, again, kind of coming back to the the uh, the application that's going on with the this talk show, I mean certainly that that's going to be a heck of a tool, you know, for our our people. Just as one example, and mm -hmm. then the uh, the employment, the jobs at creation, and then uh, given the uh, the nature of the the business. The technology is moving and changing so quickly, but I think, uh, again, with my grandchildren's generation more than anyone else, they're able to keep pace mm -hmm. as long as uh, people of my generation shepherd it along and give it direction rather than just have it be an open-ended uh, mm -hmm. uh, thing that certainly could uh, create some negative things. And there, there's that dark side, of course, right, of, right, right. of anything that, that happens in a, in a community. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you know, you've talked about workforce development and job creation. From what your groups ha have planned, how do you see work how do you see workforce development happening as in do you have programs in mind or whatever and and how do you see job creation happening i mean what does that world look like for you yep for us what we've been doing is uh we've we've reached out to microsoft who's just up in redmond washington okay. not too far mm -hmm. away from here but uh we've asked them to help and be advisors towards our efforts in developing users of the bandwidth we're mm -hmm. creating so some of those users would be a contact center which is essentially what they used to call call centers. But, oh, right. uh -huh. but there are contact centers now because there's lots of different ways to contact uh, true, uh, true. somebody other than just on the phone. Uh -huh. You can you can text, you can um blog, you can there's a lot of different ways to interface with the customer. And so we're looking at contact centers, we're looking at data centers. Once we get this infrastructure piece filled, um we're trying to get that next wave of economic development going. Uh -huh. And so that's that's a lot of outreach and uh, two years ago, I was showing them a schematic of what we would have, and everyone would look at it and say, that's nice, let me know when you're there. <laughs> and so we're a lot further along today, uh, obviously, than we were a year ago. So we're mm -hmm. constantly out there pinging the industry to say, there's a lot of opportunity for you to come to Warm Springs, and now we're starting to develop the infrastructure, and mm -hmm. we think we've got the broadband piece licked. Um, and and energy is relatively cheap out here in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. uh, and pricing-wise, and and the tribes are motivated by jobs 
uh, creation. So there's there's deals to be made on the reservation, and and I think one of the reasons but it hasn't been all that successful in the past. It's just that we just haven't had the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty excited that we're curing that today. Right. Um, because uh, now I think it's going to have a lot more doors opening, and, and we've got some pretty good relationships out there with mm-hmm. with um, with industry as well. So Now, do you see the jobs coming from businesses that will start or the businesses that exist will hire people because they're doing more business on the Internet? I mean, I'm trying to draw the line here because that's everyone's questions about well, there's broadband and everybody says there's economic development, but where's the you know where's the line you know what's the line from one to the other? Yeah, from what we're doing, uh, I'm I'm kind of focused on the enterprise side. Mm-hmm. So a tribal enterprise is essentially a for-profit business, right? And so we're looking at creating enterprises that would then hire employees, um, but there's also the small business piece, and so the tribes of Put uh, uh, can, had created this business investment revolving fund that mm-hmm. would help fund and start up uh, enterprises on the reservation. But it also we're out trying to recruit businesses to locate on the reservation so that we would become essentially a landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's on the on the kind of the enterprise side. On the small business side, we've got a personal business revolving fund, a CDFI, which is Community Development Fund, and. And uh, and uh, there's also a tribal credit enterprise on the reservation as well. So uh, so we are marketing to the smaller businesses to mm-hmm. say get a, you know here's your pre- here's the ability to have a presence outside of the Warm Springs reservation. Mm-hmm. So we are we are um, there's two channels here. One is the enterprise development side and employment, mm-hmm. whether that's landlord or creation of an enterprise itself, and then the small business component. And uh, and finding that niche, you know, mm-hmm. how how do you get a wider audience to sell into, and if that of course brings all of its own um, uh, fulfillment issues and things like that. But I think it's really the first time the tribes have been able to realistically say we now have access to the World Wide Web mm-hmm. in, in any meaningful way. Uh, so I think most uh, most of the tribal members that are in small businesses are now in that process of how do you monetize the broadband. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you turn those into dollars that that would affect them and then they can start creating a much more uh, robust small business environment on the reservation because it the small business environment on the reservation right now is is definitely uh, underdeveloped. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you mean underdeveloped? How would you? Well, uh, a good example uh, relative to what uh, Jeff is is saying is. Part of uh, the the existing our existing business with the telecommunication company is to begin reaching out to not only other tribal governments, but some of the regional organization like uh, organizations like Indian Health Service, like uh, the affiliated tribes of Northwest Indians, and providing uh, uh, telecommunication uh, services to them, where we create a uh, a regional hub for. Uh, for business creation mm-hmm. and uh, uh, storage and retrieval and all the, uh, the things that the, that a company can do, so a part of what we're we're uh, trying to do presently then is again uh, solidify a, uh, a relationship with those those uh, those other Indian organizations. Bureau of Indian Affairs mm-hmm. uh, would be another <clears throat> example, and then in terms of uh, a long term, then being able to expand uh, existing uh, uh, existing businesses. A good example of 
kind of what uh, Jeff was talking about would be the idea of uh, uh, tourism on the reservation. Mm -hmm. uh, we need a, uh, a centralized hub that would look at uh, making reservations, uh, billing, all the necessary parts of, uh, of a uh, business to bring uh, tourism onto the reservation, but, but in respect to uh, having it very controlled. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we have a lot of areas on our reservation that certainly are very protected and and uh, looked upon as, as the last of our wilderness. Mm -hmm. So we want to be very very uh, sure in how we uh, how we move. Uh, you know, and just that is one example of a business that that could be uh, excuse me uh, uh, de uh, not deployed, but uh, could be looked at seriously. Mm -hmm. Is there? Um Special programs that help, say, skills development. I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things I, I didn't really get a chance to talk about this morning was the, you know, we talked about <clears throat> home-based businesses. That's one way to get people who are unemployed working again is they start a business. Um, we sort of alluded to, but didn't really go into the discussion about helping people develop skills either by online education or access to educational institutions online, but. Have you looked at that as a as a as a type of program to create, or do you have it already in place? Yes, you do. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yes, uh, all the above. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's something that we've been uh, working on for quite some time. So we've got a workforce development department. We've got an education component. Then there's the Oregon State uh, Extension Campus. So we're mm -hmm. delivering 10 megabits to them uh, to get the mm -hmm. um, online learning process going. So. We're, we are moving across all those fronts and telehealth as well, mm -hmm. so uh, in partnership with Indian Health Services, IHS. So, yeah, we're, we have um, you're kind of looking towards the traditional skills uh, that the reservation used for its um, to fund the government is uh, logging and, and uh, the mill and, and uh, there's some manufacturing presence, but also we're looking at how do we develop that skill set for uh, IT environments, because mm -hmm. if we're able to, if we're successful in leveraging broadband, kind of the skill sets that we're going to need from the tribal member youth won't be those traditional ones like the mill and manufacturing. They're going to be moving into the IT world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're making sure that when, when we're doing, talking with uh, workforce development and education, that, they're, that they keep their eyes peeled for tribal member youth that have an interest in IT mm -hmm. and, uh, and looking at this environment. We've we've got ten employees now at the Tribal Telco. Um, seven of them are either uh, tribal members or married into the tribe, mm -hmm. and so we we were uh, hopeful that we would get maybe fifty percent tribal member employment out the gate because it's a fairly technical environment that we're uh, working in. And so we're pleasantly surprised. There's a lot of talent walking around on the reservation, mm -hmm. and once the Telco kind of started coming to fruition. We were able to go out to the membership and find some very qualified people in mm -hmm. the telecommunication space that we had no idea were there. <clears throat> and that's what we kind of see coming along now uh, with the tribal member youth that there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talent and we just have to be able to figure out a way to to capture it early and move it in the direction of where we want to go with jobs. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's starting in microcosm now. We we were pleasantly surprised with how capable our telecommunication staff is uh, of the tribal membership side. And, and we don't see any reason why we can't expand on that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're moving on all those fronts. And 
really, I think the tribes were pretty progressive on moving on those fronts well before we had access to broadband. Right. Broadband is really now the piece that's helping to accelerate it's it. It's an accelerator. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Do you have uh, programs where the youth teach the older community members? Not not a peer, but yeah, I. Um, you know, I think just uh, the example would be in the, in the individual and extended families. Mm-hmm. Some of that just by the nature of uh, the, the knowledge of, of the younger generation, and and I mean myself. I mean, I I do it all the time with my uh, children <laughs> and grandchildren. Uh-huh. But and I think that's that's how it's it's getting uh, uh, transferred mm-hmm. a lot of the knowledge just home in the home. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you guys to to sort of speculate on on futures here. Uh, in the business world, I've had people talk to me about the fact that um, having technology like broadband combined with the number of people who either want to or need to telecommute reduces the hierarchical structure of businesses to where it is a more flattened structure and you have more opportunities for, and that's, instead of employees, you have contractor or contractor-type relationships. Mm-hmm. So basically the business structure as we know it is starting to flatten. Is also, in, in some respects, becoming almost outsourced because you can do it now. I can start a business and be the outsourced you know, marketing department as opposed to being the marketing employee. In an educational sense, right, because education tends to be somewhat hierarchical, either at the school, grade school level, or even with colleges. How do you get in? How do you, how do you stay in? I mean, there's all this structure. Can, the, can broadband flatten that structure, make it less hierarchical, less bureaucratic, and just basically have people with connections learning, you know, advancing? You want to start this one? <laughs> yeah. So I I want to make sure I understand the question. So on the education level, uh, right now, uh, we've got uh, like our cultural resource group. We've got archaeologists with master's degrees, and then we have archaeologists with just a bachelor's degree, and then we've got techs that have like a two-year degree. And so that's kind of the hierarchical. That's one aspect, but also the about. learning structure. I mean, learning is very, you know, you go to a classroom, you go to a professor, you have teaching assistants. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a fairly rigid structure to our education process mm-hmm. in, 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 in the U.S. But does broadband have the potential to kind of remove some of that hierarchy? Because in theory, if, um, say, a, a, uh, a community college or even Harvard had a program for uh, tribal youth to develop certain skills and and to learn in a in a, in a more uh, remote learning environment, mm-hmm. you know, self testing and self advancement and all of that. Is that is that a possibility? Could you see right. that kind of yeah, so learning we, changes? Yeah, we are doing that a little bit now. So our uh, in the Warm Springs Economic Development Corporation, um, we've got a. a um, our finance person there who is pursuing her accounting degree. And mm-hmm. so it used to be that she would have to drive into Bend to right. take some community and have to leave at 2 o'clock. And had pretty, uh pretty adverse impact on our on our productivity when mm-hmm. she had to drive all the way into Bend and then she'd right. get back late and all that. 
Uh, now that she's got access to broadband, it's a much more collaborative environment amongst her and her students because now she doesn't have to do the commute. Mm-hmm. And so in, in that sense, I think it helps tremendously to have to pull out the administrative burden of attending school when you right. can just go to your computer, mm-hmm. log on, and then interact with your students. Right. You're learning, the students are learning from each other. Right. As opposed to maybe having to go physically see a, a teacher assistant to right. have them explain things. Mm-hmm. So I think in that regard, it's, wor- it's working on that level for us now, just in the last year, really, um, on the education level. And it's the same thing on the work level as well. There's a lot more... Um, interaction between um, you know some of the businesses that we're running mm-hmm. that can collaborate a lot more effectively than than they used to be able to do in the past. Right, because you uh, where Warm Springs and I I don't have it in my mind the map of our of the area where I'm sitting at, but <clears throat> you're fairly removed from a lot a lot of stuff, and so you know so the first thing I would think is that this. Um, shortens the distance. You no longer have that distance. You no longer have to commute. Do you think that, um, you know, once in a while I'll meet people who are in their 40s or 50s and they're going back to school, right? They got more mental stamina than I have. I'll just put that out there right (laughs) away. But um, do you think that's a possibility? Will some of the older folks, you know, start to want to take classes? I mean, if they can do it remotely, I don't know if that makes it easier to even think about, consider. Yeah, I I think that'll have certainly have some some effect on uh, on that generation. Um, but the other part of the because of the nature of the close knit or an extended family uh, structure that we have on the reservation. Uh, yeah, I you know being rural and uh, I think there's going to be a, a an increase. In the number of folks, not only from that generation, but uh, below and above that, mm-hmm. who are going to have that kind of interest. J- again, just because of the nature of the distance that we have to travel mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. any kind of higher education. So, yeah, I think that that and that's going to increase. Would, mm-hmm. would be my my suspicion. Now, do you see uh, either one of you see uh, colleges, be they community colleges or or four year colleges? Looking at rural communities and tribal communities as a new source, as a new student body, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm asking guys sort of to project a little bit, but do you think that college will start to, you know, as broadband goes into places in these communities, someone will wake up one day and say, hey, you know, we should create programs just for these kinds of communities because we don't have to do like with a traditional kind, we have to find classrooms, uh, we may not have to find necessarily as many professors. We can basically tap right. into the physical technology infrastructure. Yeah, and I, I think that's already happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at the uh, tribal community colleges around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think they're already doing that. Certainly, like uh, uh, the major universities, like here in Bend, uh, the, the major presence is Oregon State mm-hmm. University. Uh, so yeah, I, I think some of that's going on, and and, and that's going to expand. You know, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think when you look at Warm Springs, I mean, we seven years ago when I when I first arrived, it, I, the telecommunications infrastructure was very much like the '80s. It was dial-up. <laughs> it was, and except for some people were on satellite. Most of it was dial-up, right. or just non-existent. 
And I was just shocked that they were so far behind. I, I do think we're going to catch up uh, by the end of this year. Once we, we're going to build a couple more towers, we get, we get our fiber uh, deployed. And so we're going to catch up. And so it's the, the nice part about what we're experiencing in Warm Springs now, it's a little bit of a microcosm of what's happening across all of rural America, mm-hmm. just like Salad said. You know, a lot of people have been trying to solve this problem of, of um, being in a rural environment and having limited access to bricks and mortar type schools or education or mm-hmm. access to information. Now we're taking those barriers down. You can kind of see all that effort. I mean, and it was a very difficult effort. Now we're looking at those walls coming down and saying it's not as hard as we thought. Mm -hmm. And I think there there is a much better uptake because those we're taking those barriers away. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've got it figured out yet, but I I do think everyone can kind of see where this is going finally. Mm -hmm. Where before you couldn't because you know there was an hour. 15 hour and 20 minute commute just to get to class just to be there just to be there was such a hassle and now you know taking down some of those barriers is really allowing people to get access to it and find find their niche and Mm -hmm. and i so i think it's a it's a wonderful blossoming of an application of broadband uh, especially on the education component Mm -hmm. it's uh it's been i think a a pretty enjoyable experience in the past six months as we've deployed this thing Mm -hmm. um to see that really starting to take off plenty of work still left to do um we still have to figure out exactly how these applications are going to provide the best experience for warm springs but i think we can all see it Mm -hmm. and you know we've had our head down just Trudging along, getting through the grants, getting through the feasibility studies, the business right, right. implementation, but we're just now starting to kind of pick our heads up and seeing the future, and it's right. and it's a it's a good one. I think everyone's pretty excited. Mm-hmm. So we got a little over ten minutes here. Let's talk about the promise of telemedicine, telehealth, the ability to deliver health care uh, via broadband. How do you see that? Unfolding? Will there be, will the quality of healthcare change as a result of broadband? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I uh, I said on our uh, health and welfare committee that that's an extension of the uh, uh, tribal council, the community uh, representative uh, to the two health concerns on the mm-hmm. reservation. And we've recognized probably as long as uh, we've been uh, looking at that needs list, the need for telehealth. Uh, and uh, and the impact. I mean, now uh, I think there was a demonstration either a week or two ago. Uh, there was a, a doctor uh, vacationing in Western Europe, and uh, there was a patient. It was a, a specialty. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was uh, in particular, but was able to to do a uh, not necessarily a diagnosis but an update mm-hmm. on on this particular patient because they were they were having some problems and was able to diagnose the the situation and then give feedback and mm-hmm. and he- help the uh, patient mm-hmm. and then went back of course to to his or her vacation i can't remember uh whether the the doctor was male or female but that was an interesting thing and and as an example uh not only uh within the reservation but across reservations that may have a specialist say uh in the northeast mm-hmm. that uh and and there's a particular patient in warm springs, so 
so there there can be that interaction going on and uh and likewise i mean just with some of the things uh uh that we have in common uh, certainly the substance abuse the uh, diabetes those kind of things there there are some places that have had a lot more experience than we've had in uh, warm springs and if we can have relatively immediate access uh-huh. to information and and uh, providers and those kind of things. I mean, gee, that's just a tremendous asset uh, to our community and to uh-huh. our people. Will there be fairly easy acceptance of that? I mean, again, I, I've never spent time on, <clears throat> on on a reservation, but I understand that that you can have cultural barriers. I mean, people are used to getting medical care or assistance in in, in certain ways and from certain uh, people within the within the tribal community. Well, well, that's an interesting question because right now, across the uh, the country, there are traditional healers. Navajo uh, is a good example. Uh, who, uh, in the instance where there's uh, a reluct- some reluctance and and uh, uh, caution coming from an elder, if they have a traditional healer or a person who's able to bridge that communication gap. Mm-hmm. Then it's readily accepted, but if there's not that cultural connection mm-hmm. uh, of interpretation, mm-hmm. taking a traditional language, interpreting it so it's understandable uh, to the person who who may not uh, speak English at all, mm-hmm. I mean that translation, and then seeing the technology in front of them, I mean is is a heck of a, a you know good uh, good example of, mm-hmm. of helping that person see, boy, this this is going to help me. Yeah, I think and kind of adding to Sal's point, it's why it's so, I think, critically important for tribes, not just the Warm Springs tribe and the, and the National Tribal Telecommunications Association, but it's really, I think, critically important for all tribes across the U.S. to take control of their own telecommunications destiny because, uh-huh. because I think when we've got uh, outside telecommunications companies trying to deliver service to a uh, you know, a vibrant mm-hmm. culture like mm-hmm. um, like the Warm Springs tribe, it just doesn't translate that well. Right. When the tribes take control of that telecommunications experience and then they can deliver it to their membership, it's going to be a much more effective tool. And so that's why, you know, I think that when we get Warm Springs telecommunications up and going, all the other tribes are looking at this, mm-hmm. um, especially in the Pacific Northwest. I think it's of critical importance that other tribes follow that lead in this area just like we're following the lead of Cheyenne River Sioux and the and the Southwest tribes, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a very big deal to for tribes to do that, and mm-hmm. and so we're just huge proponents. We're we're not done with our startup yet. We still got a ways to go, but um, we definitely see that acceptance uh, in in a in that and really a lot of the membership um, are very proud of owning their own telco and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, tribal members who are working there, I think are very proud and, and very excited to be providing service to their tribal members and, uh, extended families and all mm-hmm. that. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great experience. And I think every single tribe should be looking at doing it because they can certainly do it better. I think than than when we have, um, uh, other, you know, larger corporations or something like that who don't really get mm-hmm. the the Indian country. So in the last couple of five minutes here, what would be two pieces of advice, this is for each of you, that you would give to other tribes that may still be, you know, wondering if it's worth all the effort 
you know, to go after grants and to do everything you need to do in order to make this work, what would you tell them, you know, either is well, just two, two steps to move it forward, move the ball forward? Well, from, from my vantage point, I think the the experience and the teaching of uh, of our uh, uh, traditional people and traditional thought process of uh, an example would be uh, here and now, today, we're only borrowing this place and this time from our children and our grandchildren. So when a tribe thinks about this, uh, and I think this is common this is common knowledge and common thought process of tribes and tribal governments is that just take that that value and that uh, uh, that traditional planning process and apply it and think through you know how is this going to help my children my grandchildren my great grandchildren mm-hmm. and that will be your guide based on of course like uh, I had mentioned earlier the values. Uh, in your community, mm-hmm. and there's certainly a lot of common values that Indian country uh, shares. But uh, I, I think that, from from a uh, from a tribal government uh, perspective and a uh, cultural uh, perspective, that's going to be your uh, a very good guide, mm-hmm. a very a critical piece to uh, thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Jeff, your thoughts my, or, or advice? Well, so. I've got a lot more than two things, but I got three minutes. Three minutes so, uh, I don't know if I can be contained in three minutes. But um, ultimately, I think uh, when we started down the road in, in Warm Springs, there was this huge need. And it's not just in Warm Springs. It's in all of Indian country. Mm-hmm. The, the reason they did universal service funding across America uh, was to provide dial tone for um, rural areas that mm-hmm. that traditional telephone companies wouldn't service because it didn't make economic sense. Right. And so uh, universal service funds help get the the plain old telephone service out to people. And and right now what we're hearing out of D.C. And, and a lot of other areas is that that job is done. We've done it. Let's pat ourselves on the back. We've got plain old telephone service to everybody that needs to. And, and that number is 96% across America. Mm-hmm. But in any country, that number is about 60%. So the job isn't near done. You can't skip the telephone line and go straight to broadband. I think if, you, if you're going to look at this in the terms of a tribal telco, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of work to do to just get telephone connectivity and then, uh, and then the broadband piece. So if you're going to do it, um, you got to do it right. You got to create your own telco, become a telecommunications company that's providing phone and broadband, mm-hmm. and then hopefully we're going to be providing video as well. Um, but that piece, that triple play piece, is the is a very important step for tribes to embrace, mm-hmm. as opposed to let's just become a broadband company. Mm-hmm. So we can work with that. Well, this has very good conversation. Uh, to get started on learning some of the issues. And I definitely want to come back to this topic because I think that it's important, you know, that uh, we don't lose, that we don't lose track of what's going on in tribal uh, tribal communities. So uh, I want to thank both of you, Jeff and Sal, for, for being here and, and, and uh, opening up some of these insights for people, for our listeners to understand what's what's happening out there. So, uh, you know, thanks for your time and, and thanks for your, for your participation. 
to the audience, you know, again, thank you for uh, for listening. Um, it has been a uh, very interesting experience being up here uh, in Bend and uh, and meeting some of the folks and so forth. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot to be discussed and a lot more to be covered. So I hope our audience continues to uh, to hang in there with us and keep coming back to shows, asking questions and so forth. So everybody have a great day, and we'll be back on the air again uh, next week. Take care.